Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, and this is episode 104. Before we begin, I'd like to give a shout-out to the newest crop of Twitter followers, Doggone, Xenia Sites, Atheist Alpaca, and Brittany Dawkins. No, not that Dawkins. According to Brittany, there's no relation. Uh, Well, since the last couple of episodes have been basically me waxing philosophical on a particular topic, I figured this week I'd get back to covering some news stories. First, though, I'd like to read a couple of passages from Leviticus. Sounds fun, right? Um, Well, last week's episode was about the book of Leviticus, and I realized after the fact that I left out a couple of verses I had originally intended to read. I alluded to them, but I didn't read them verbatim. One has to do with the prohibition against eating shellfish, and the other has to do with the prohibition against clothing made of mixed fabric. The reason I want to read those verses is because they deal with two of the prohibitions we often bring up as non-believers to point out the hypocrisy of those who cite Leviticus as a reason to be anti-gay, and yet they ignore many of the other prohibitions, such as the injunction against eating shellfish or wearing blended fabrics. Um, These prohibitions are often alluded to or spoken of, but I thought it'd be good to actually quote them. So here we go. Leviticus 11.9. These shall you eat of all that are in the waters. Whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters, in the seas, in the rivers, them shall you eat. 11.10 And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters, and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. Abomination, strong word. That's the same word uh, Leviticus uses when describing a man lying with another man. Uh, So you can see it's basically saying eating anything that comes from the sea, any type of animal at least, that doesn't have fins or scales like a fish is an abomination. So that means no shellfish, no calamari, etc. Okay, on to the next one. Leviticus 19.19 You shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. Or as the New International Bible puts it, Keep my decrees. Do not make different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. So there's obviously a common thread there, no pun intended, about how different things shouldn't be mixed. I heard at least one biblical scholar say that it probably has to do with ancient Hebrew notions of purity, that things of different kinds being mixed was seen as somehow impure. But there you have it, a couple of verses from Leviticus for your edification. So on to the first story. Now, if you're a political news junkie, then you've probably heard of Charles Krauthammer. He's a columnist, conservative commentator, and he's probably best known as a Fox News contributor. And perhaps I'm wrong, but, you know, there seems to be a kind of stereotype that, generally speaking, liberals are godless heathens and conservatives are God-fearing Christians. Uh, There may be some truth to uh, that idea, but it's not necessarily always the case. There's a lot of religious Democrats and progressives 
whose notions of social justice are fueled by their Christianity. And there's some conservatives like S.E. Cup who are atheists. Um, just to put my own cards on the table, I like to think of myself as an independent, but I admittedly lean heavily to the left on social issues like gay marriage and legalizing pot, etc. The reason I'm going on about this is because Charles Krauthammer, as I mentioned, is a high-profile uh, conservative, and supposedly he stated that he doesn't necessarily believe in God. And it doesn't really surprise me that much because he's known for his frankness, and he's definitely one of the more intellectual uh, conservative pundits. But I found what he had to say on the subject of God to be pretty interesting, so I thought I'd read a bit from an article. It's by a certain Billy Hallowell, and uh, wow, this goes back to 2013, but I just heard about it recently via the Young Turks, so here we go. I don't believe in God, but Krauthammer explains his thoughts on religion. December 23rd, 2013, by uh, Billy Hallowell, as I said. Conservative columnist Charles Krauthammer told The Daily Caller in a recent interview that he doesn't believe in God in the traditional sense. But while he doesn't describe himself as an atheist, the popular commentator said that he has a complicated notion of the deity. There was once a philosopher who said, I don't believe in God, but I fear him greatly. That's about where I am, he told the outlet. I've had a fairly difficult and complicated notion of the deity. Krauthammer added that Albert Einstein's concept of God most resonates with him. He said that Einstein's idea was a recognition and an awe before the mystery of the order and beauty of the universe, which would imply that there is something very mysterious and very awesome, awe-inspiring about the universe. This is certainly very different from the theological views expressed by mainstream faith groups, which generally have specific and codified interpretations of both God and creation. Krauthammer drove home the point that he believes life's complexities are vast and that he is ill-equipped to definitively know what's out there. Well, I agree with that, uh, but anyway, continuing. I feel the way that I think Newton once said, I feel like a snail on the side of a great ocean, and the idea that I can understand a notion like God or humans can, as if we're expecting a snail to understand the motion of the tides through calculus and physics, he said. Krauthammer added, that's not possible, so I see the same kind of intellectual gap in the capacity of humans to understand in any deep sense about theology of God as for a snail to figure out how the tides work. Well, I agree and disagree. It's funny, his Newton quote reminds me of something Darwin once said. And I quote, I feel most deeply that this whole question of creation is too profound for human intellect. A dog might as well speculate on the mind of Newton. Uh, I agree that there's still a lot that baffles us. We still don't have all the answers concerning things like the origins of life or the beginning of the universe. Scientists still struggle with questions like what existed before the Big Bang? How could something come from nothing? How did inorganic matter make the leap to organic life? Um, but I know this Krauthammer uses the word theology, and in fairness, may, it may have just been a slip of the tongue. He was being interviewed. But theology, to me, seems to refer to man-made religion. Uh, 
How something can come from nothing may still be a mystery, but religion certainly isn't. Uh, religions are man-made belief systems, in my opinion. I may not know with 100% certainty whether or not there's a God, but I think we can be fairly certain that the Judeo-Christian God, as well as all the other deities born of man's imagination, are, to put it crudely, ultimately fictitious. Um, and concerning those weighty questions like how can something come from nothing, there are scientists like Stephen Hawking and Lawrence Krauss who do have some theories. Um, there's also theories concerning how life may have arisen from inorganic matter as well. Uh, but anyway, for now, on to the next story, because that would probably deserve an episode all its own. Okay, so supposedly a controversial papyrus that seems to indicate that Jesus may have been married has been proven authentic. I'll read a bit from a HuffPost article. Gospel of Jesus wife papyrus is ancient, not fake, scientists and scholars say. An ancient business card-sized papyrus fragment that appears to quote Jesus Christ discussing his wife is real. Harvard University announced Thursday the fragment caused international uproar when it was revealed by a Harvard historian historian in September 2012, with prominent academics and the Vatican swiftly deeming it a forgery. Harvard officials said scientists both within and outside the university extensively tested the papyrus and carbon ink of the badly aged fragment, dubbed the Gospel of Jesus' Wife. The document written in Coptic, a language of ancient Egyptian Christians, is made up of eight mostly legible dark lines on the front and six barely legible faded lines on the back. The handwriting and grammar were also examined over the last year and a half to confirm its authenticity. Scientists have concluded the fragment dates back to at least the 6th to the 9th centuries and possibly as far back as the 4th century. The document was never meant to prove Jesus was married, Harvard Divinity School professor Karen L. King emphasized Thursday. Instead, she argued it's meant to highlight that some early Christians may have believed Jesus was married. The distinction is significant because debates over sexuality and marriage have dominated contemporary discussions about Christianity. The Catholic Church cites Jesus' celibacy as one of the reasons its priests must not have sex or marry. Well, that and so their property and wealth would be left to the church instead of their families. Uh, but anyway, continuing. The main topic of the fragment is to affirm that women who are mothers and wives can be disciples of Jesus, a topic that was hotly debated in early Christianity as celibacy, virginity increasingly became highly valued. King, whose specialties include Coptic literature, Gnosticism, and women in the Bible, said in a statement Thursday, This gospel fragment provides a reason to reconsider what we thought we knew by asking what the role claims of Jesus' marital status played historically in early Christian controversies over marriage, celibacy, and family. In fairness, I think Paul did promote celibacy, but um, said it wasn't for everyone. Uh, but anyway, continuing once again, the legible lines on the front of the artifact seem to form a broken conversation between Jesus and his disciples. The fourth line of the text says, Jesus said to them, my wife. Line five says, she will be able to be my disciple. Well, the line before the wife quote has Jesus saying, Mary is worthy of it. And the line seven says, as for me, I dwell with her in order to. 
Well, even though I'm a non-believer, I still have a love for ancient history and the study of religion, so I find this fascinating, but I don't think it's all that surprising or controversial. Anyone with even a layman's knowledge of the history of Christianity is probably aware of the fact that there are many so-called outside books, some of which may have been just as valid as the books in the canonical Bible, but they just didn't make the cut. There's things like the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Jewish Apocrypha. Then there's the Nag Hammadi Library or Gnostic Gospels, which includes the Gospel of Thomas, basically a collection of the wise sayings of Jesus. Then there's other more controversial texts like the Gospel of Judas and the Gospel of Mary. As far as whether or not Jesus was married, I've heard arguments on both sides. Some scholars point to the fact that the Essenes, an ancient group of Jewish ascetics responsible for writing the aforementioned mentioned Dead Sea Scrolls, may or may not have practiced celibacy, so it's possible that Jesus did too. On the other hand, some point out that it supposedly would have been highly unusual for a Jewish man not to have married, to the point where being unmarried could be a cause for ridicule or scorn. But if you're a believer, I wouldn't get all worried that this somehow proves that Jesus was uh, married and shatters your... Um, pre-existing image of him. After all, they said at the most, the text dates back to the um, fourth century, which would still make it ancient and uh, incredibly valuable, historically speaking. But obviously, it's far from the actual time of Christ. But anyway, um, uh, I was going to do another news story, but I'm feeling lazy. Um, Actually, what the heck, I'll do it. <laughs> it has to do with Mike Huckabee. He was recently giving a talk, and, uh, well, I'll let the clip uh, speak for itself. I'm not against anybody. I'm really not. I'm not a hater. I'm not homophobic. I, I honestly don't care what people do personally in their individual lives, but I tell you, the reason when people say, well, why don't you just kind of get on the right side of history? I said, you got to understand, this for me is not about the right side or the wrong side of history. This is the right side of the Bible. And unless God rewrites it, edits it, sends it down with his signature on it, it's not my book to change. Folks, that's why I stand where I stand. So there he is falling back on the Bible to defend his anti-gay marriage views. And there's actually a portion missing from that clip where he quotes Jesus speaking about how a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, etc. And uh, his point is that Jesus did, in fact, mention uh, marriage. And uh, he's right about that, and I, I believe... In that instance, Jesus, or rather the gospel author, is actually uh, quoting um, the Old Testament. Uh, but what really grabbed my attention is when he insinuates that only God has the authority or the right to edit or change the Bible. Now, he's a former governor and a reverend, I believe. So he must be smart or knowledgeable enough to know that the Bible was written by various human authors and translated time and again. Um, maybe he'd argue that's divinely inspired which still doesn't make much sense to me given its contradictions. But nevertheless, um, there's that attitude as if God actually wrote the Bible, as if it's somehow infallible and unchangeable, um, some perfect document that drifted down from the heavens. Uh, that attitude just blows my mind. 
Uh, but with that being said, I guess I'll call this episode a wrap. As always, you can like the show on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, visit the Weekend Out YouTube channel. You can listen on Stitcher now. Uh, you can leave a review or subscribe to the show through iTunes. Um, you can subscribe or check out the archives on Podbean. If you're feeling generous, you can uh, make a donation to the show's upkeep via Podbean. Uh, and the only reason why I ask uh, you guys to do that, only if you feel comfortable, I've explained before how I don't like it when podcasters try to guilt me into donating to their shows, so it's completely optional. Uh, but I put a lot of time and effort into the show, and I have uh, monthly upkeep fees to pay and things like that. And that reminds me, uh, I may soon start doing the audible.com uh, promos again. And they want you to stick to a certain script. And I always want to break away from it just for a second because as corny as this might seem, um, you guys matter a, a lot to me. I don't ever want to feel like I'm trying to bilk you guys or anything like that. But the way the audible.com free book offer works is that I get paid for every time someone signs up for a trial membership using the uh, link I provide, theoretically, because uh, it still hasn't happened yet. But I always wanted to like warn you guys uh, that obviously it's one of those things where you know you get the free book, but there's always a catch. I imagine that if you um, let the the trial subscription run out, you probably start accruing monthly fees. And the last thing I want is for you guys to be like, you know, looking at your bank statements and be like, fail. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I might bring back the Audible trial promos. And I just want you guys to uh, be aware of that. And actually, if anyone's interested, um, the URL is actually www. That probably wasn't necessary. Uh, audibletrial.com slash the week in doubt. So I don't want anyone to sign up for that just for me. Uh, but if any of you were thinking of um, signing up for an Audible trial membership anyway, um, it'd be cool if uh, you use that link because that way it ends up being beneficial for me as well. Okay, but with all that said, uh, thanks for listening and until next week.